0: Hi, everybody. My name is Paul Camus. Um I've been wanting to do this podcast for a very long time. This is my first one, so sorry if it's a little rough. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just want to share with you my testimony and how God changed my life. And um, I'm going to start from um, my parents in the beginning, uh, who my parents were and who my family uh, is and um, what we believed in. Um, this growing up until now. Um, my mom and my dad are um Assyrians from Iraq. They grew up in the Greek Orthodox church and my parents uh got married. They had my sister, my first sister, um and a year later they went to Greece. Um and while they were in Greece they got invited to a Bible study out there and My parents have never been to a Bible study. They never, ever opened up the Bible. All they knew was was whatever the religion was in the traditional church and traditional um, religions and religious things that they do. And that's all they know in their whole life. But they never actually opened up the Bible and read it. And when my parents were introduced to this um, Bible study, they immediately got saved. And um, after that, like my parents were just fully dedicated to God and they dedicated their whole life to God. And when they moved from Greece to the U.S., uh, they had my uh, myself and my other siblings. And growing up, um, we basically lived and breathed church and God. I mean, we were in church Sunday, Wednesday and Friday. And um, when I was growing up, I loved it I loved all the stories I loved everything about it I really wanted to be a preacher when I was younger And I just fell in love with Jesus And when I was about uh, 6 or 7 years old um, And we were in our Wednesday Awana um, class um, The uh, the leader asked us um, if we want to know who, who Jesus was and how we could have him in his life and I and I was totally up for it. I really wanted to know more about Jesus. So I raised my hand and he took me out in the back and he showed me in the Bible, who Jesus was and what he did for me and all this great wonderful stuff. And I was so excited about Christ. I accepted Christ when I was uh younger and and um ever since then, you know, it was just I really wanna know about him, I really love the stories and Even in Sunday school, like, I read about three to four um, Bible scriptures um, for everybody when the teacher asked if we learned any verses. So I always had about three or four of them ready for, um, for Sundays and just very zealous when I was younger. And I loved everything about God and learning about the stories. It was just... Such an excitement about um, Daniel and the lions, then, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Moses, and how he parted the sea, and my favorite, David, how he slayed the giant, and I loved everything about that. So, when I started um, going into my teen years, Um, Obviously when you become a teenager Your body changes And not only does your body change So is your mindset And um, whatever you did was When you were little Wasn't cool anymore So you wanted to do the cool things That teenagers wanted to do And I always looked at um, My friends that weren't in church And um, always wanted to do What they wanted to do Because they did all these exciting things They always They always had something to do that was cool I, you know that I'd, I'd never have done before and like going to the movies and you know going to the arcades and etc and all that stuff that you used to do when you were little and um you know because for me it was always church 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 and god 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 um so I kind of wanted that life and you know when I was 13, 14, 15, you know, I just started getting into that life And getting into, like, the worldly stuff And stuff that I, I would never get into usually when I was younger But, you know, you want to be with the cool kids So, you know, you got into rap music And you got into um, going to the movies and all that stuff that you, that the church was always against um but I always wanted to do that but then I started uh developing this attitude like I don't care anymore these stories are old it's the same story every single time how many times you're gonna tell me about Jonah and the whale like all that stuff was getting repetitive in my life and I didn't want it anymore I wanted this cool life I want to live like the world did. I wanted to dress like them, talk like them. And all through my teenage life, into middle school and high school, I was just all about my worldly friends. And the more that I was with them, the more I distanced God away from my life. And not only that, I stopped going to church. As soon as I got my license um, in a car, I completely stopped going to church. Uh, I was... Rebelling against my parents, I was at the point where I didn't even like my parents. I despised them and and they were so holy and churchy and all that other stuff and I just looked at them and I was just was like, "No, nope, not for me. I don't want that life. It's boring, it's nothing. there's nothing there. Now just going through this whole period and this whole time through high school and and, and trying to develop uh, a a different persona for me. I was one of the popular kids and, you know, at the time I I had um, a friend who worked at a liquor store and I could had access to liquor and, you know, cigars and cigarettes and all that. Um, And I made it my life and also, you know, at a young age, drinking at a young age and partying and actually being the life of the party and not only being the life of the party but being the supplier of alcohol to the party and this is in high school and uh, everybody wanted to be uh, around me and you know everybody wanted alcohol whenever there was a party and I supplied all the parties that everybody threw you know I was the most popular one of the most popular kids from ninth grade till about you know twelfth grade, you know all all my high school career, I was that popular guy who can get alcohol, and um, I thought nothing of it. You know, I, I I loved the attention and and all the all the things that came with it, and um, you know I just um I just like that. I just loved that attention. I loved that life, and I was getting noticed by girls and. You know, I made that my life also, and you know, that carried on into um, my college years. Uh, when I turned 19, I was able to cross the uh, the river over here in Michigan to Windsor, Canada, because in Canada, you can drink at 19 years old, and um, my friends and I always went almost every single weekend to uh, Windsor. And we just partied there and we used to drink there all night every single week on Friday, Saturday, um, sometimes even on a Sunday we went in the summertime. But um that was my life. Just partying and, and, and getting into things that I shouldn't and experimenting with um marijuana and ecstasy and other hallucinogens and, and pills. Um, You know, just wanted to experience that lifestyle And um, it caught up uh, to me when I was about um, 22 years old You know, uh, the older that I got, the more um, partying I was getting into And other stuff that I was getting into And it was just, uh, 21 years old was like a blast for me Because now we can get into the clubs here And it was just non-stop partying I mean, the only time we didn't party was on a Monday I mean, throughout the whole week We were somewhere, we are at some kind of bar And, um, just drinking, having a good old time And not thinking about anything And just constantly sinning And going against, uh, what God's will was for me And then, at 22 years old, um I started really thinking about my future And started really contemplating life And where it was going Because it was going fast and Downward <laughs> Real bad for me at the age of 22 years old And I just went to a point where it's you know, like You know what, uh, I'll figure it out when I get older You know, let's continue to party It was until, um January of 2006 uh I started to feel not myself there's something going on with me that I couldn't understand what it was but it just didn't seem right and um a couple of weeks later I just uh for, you know just got got the flu and um I was really sick at the time I was um very healthy i was very um into working out and eating right and um the only thing bad i did was you know drink a lot and um that's the only bad thing that i was putting in my body at the time but um i was i was super healthy super fit uh and um i just not i just started to develop the flu and the flu was like like i've never had it before And I went to the doctors and um, the doctors told me, you know, you have the flu. Obviously, you're very healthy. So when you're not sick all the time, you get it real bad. So she gave me some antibiotics and vitamins and all that stuff that I need. So I took it a week later. I started feeling a little bit better. But then when I got off the antibiotics, I got even worse. So I went to the doctor's a second time, and I told her, listen, I'm not feeling good, Uh, I just, I'm not myself, there's something else that's going on, like, now, when I go up the stairs, I'm taking deep breaths, you know, I can't, my heart's about to pop out of my chest, I just can't breathe, she's like, it's okay, just a flu virus, you know, you'll be fine, we'll give you different antibiotics, just continue to take these vitamins and drink lots of fluid, so I did that week later I was getting even worse Now it was the point where I used to leave At work at 4 o'clock PM I'd come home And I would fall asleep And I wouldn't wake up to the next day And I was still feeling horrible I would wake up with night sweats There was a couple of times where I went to the emergency room Because I was coughing And I couldn't stop coughing I developed bronchitis And um all of a sudden my my skin tone started changing colors. It went from a white to a yellow. And uh my parents took notice and they're like, you know what? You don't look so good. You need to go you need to go back to the doctors. And at that point I was already irritated. And by the way, I had a huge anger problem. Huge anger problem. And I got irritated very quickly. And I looked at my parents and I was like, listen, you guys don't know what's going on. It's none of your business I already went to the doctors This is what they told me I don't want to go back to the doctors So a few weeks go by Three or four weeks go by I'm still feeling like Like death at this point Um, I was just not feeling good I was always tired At this point I was gasping for air I didn't know what was going on I didn't want to go to the doctors And hear the same thing and then my skin color started turning a green color, and um, I didn't take notice to that till my parents said something again, and I just got irritated and I walked away, and um, it was just a really, really, really horrible time for me. It was not good. Everything tasted really bad. Everything smelt very bad. Anytime someone was wearing perfume or a, a cologne, I'd I'd run to the bathroom and just you know just start throwing up. And, um, I really didn't take it too serious about what was going on with my health wise until my boss looked at me, and he said, "You know what? you don't look good, you're always tired, you look like you're you just look like death to me. He goes, I'm going to call my doctor, and I'm gonna get you in today." So I was like, Man, I don't know. they're probably gonna tell me the same thing, but okay, whatever. So I went to the doctor's. They got me in uh, Right when the doctor opened up the door He looked at me and he's like Man, you do not look good He's like, I want to do some blood tests on you I was like, okay, no problem He's like, alright He goes, we took some blood We're going to send it out We'll give you a call if if anything pops up So I went home that day Worked out And all of a sudden I get a phone call from The doctor's office late at night And uh I answered the phone and he was talking to me. He's like, Um, hey, Paul, we just got some uh, your tests back actually, and um, and went through some tests. And uh, he goes, Right now, I'm admitting you to the hospital. I'm like, Why? What's going on? He's like, Well, your hemoglobin is down to a five. He goes, What are you doing right now? I was like, Well, I just got done working out. And he goes, How are you even standing up right now with your hemoglobin at a five? And at the time, I didn't know what that was. It was like Chinese to me. Anything medical was like Chinese to me, which I don't know Chinese. So, I just listened to him. He's like, listen, just go to the hospital. I'm admitting you, admitting you to there. You're gonna receive four pints of blood, and then they're, they're just gonna check your blood levels. So I thought maybe I was anemic or something, you know. So I just went there, and they gave me four pints of blood, and they gave me some plasma. And my blood levels shot up, and they went back down dramatically. So the one of the doctors came in and said, "You know what? We're gonna keep you overnight. We're gonna give you uh, four more pints of blood. We see how you are in the morning. But we need to at this time. We just need you to stay overnight." So they gave me the four pints of blood, and um, they checked my blood levels, and um, they still went they still went down dramatically, like right down. It was right at 6 o'clock in the morning I was sleeping in the emergency room I woke up to another doctor And this doctor introduced himself He told me he was an oncologist um, That he wants to take a look at my case And see what's going on And why my blood levels are, are so low And etc So he told me that he was going to order A, um, a bone marrow biopsy and again, I do not know what that was at the time. So they order a, a bone marrow biopsy, and um, this doctor comes in with like about three or four nurses. And she starts explaining, uh, you know, we're going to drill in the back of your hip bone, and and uh, we're going to numb the bone, and we're just going to drill in there, and we're going to chip a little piece of the bone, and we're going to extract marrow out of it just to see what's going on. So, I was just, okay, whatever, let's just do what you gotta do, let's see what you, you know, do whatever you gotta do to to make me better. So, they started doing it, and she, they made the incision, and she started drilling, and drilling, and drilling, and my whole body's shaking at the time, and I'm just sitting here wondering what's going on, and, you know, and she told me, she's like, okay, uh... I drilled to the bone, to the where I need to be drilled at, inside the bone. Uh, she goes, I'm going to extract the marrow out. She goes, now when I extract the marrow, it's going to hurt. It's going to be about five seconds of pain. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, whatever. I'm a big tough guy. I don't care. And she's like, listen, it's extremely important that you do not move. I need to take this marrow out. It's very, very painful. The pain equals to the pain of a woman giving birth without any drugs so at the time i was just like whatever it's five seconds long so when she was about to pull the marrow out of my uh out of the bone these nurses was came came in and they were holding one was holding my ankle down one was holding my knees down Another one was holding like my whole body, my upper body down. And I'm wondering, what is going on here? She's like, okay, do not move. So I was like, okay, whatever. This isn't going to hurt. When she pulled that marrow out, I was screaming. It was the longest five seconds. It felt like five minutes when they pulled that marrow out. I was screaming in pain. Like unbelievable pain. I've never felt it before in my whole entire life. And when she did that, she put a Band-Aid on me. And she's like, okay, you are all set. The doctor will call you in about two to three days. And I was just left there like, whoa, what just happened? So the doctor, my oncologist, calls me um, on a Friday in the morning. He's like, listen, I got the results. Uh, I need to sit down with you and your mom and your dad. It's 6 o'clock if that's alright I was like, yeah, absolutely So I called my parents I told them, hey, 6 o'clock You guys need to be here The doctor wants to uh, talk about what's going on So my parents come And then, um, the doctor walks in And um, Fridays are when my parents go to uh, church for prayer meetings So they were going to come to the hospital first And then go to their prayer meeting So the doctor comes in He starts talking And um, I'm sitting there in that, in that hospital bed I'm just listening to what he's, he has to say And he's like Paul the reason why that Your blood levels are shooting up And uh, when you take blood When you get a blood transfusion And they spike back back down uh, Is um, it's, it's you have um, AML And I was like what is AML And uh, he goes, well, this is the reasons why that you're not feeling good and you're always tired and your heart's beating and your hemoglobin is so low is because you have acute maloid leukemia. He goes, you have cancer. Now, when he said that I had cancer, my whole world just dropped. It shattered into a million pieces. He started talking about treatment. I didn't hear that part because everything just went blank. Everything went silent. I was looking straight ahead at this clock that was right in front of my bed, and all I could see was my mom and my dad crying, crying their eyes out. And the doctor was just continuing to talk, and all of a sudden I was coming back too, and he was just telling me, like, you know, this might take about a year and a half to two years for it to cure because it's so aggressive. And, and if I waited any more, any much any any more um, Much time longer That I would have never woken up um, From my sleep um, That's how aggressive this cancer was And when he told me all these things He's like Paul you're, you know It's going to take a while for you to To go through this And you know we're going to do some treatment on you We're going to do some chemotherapy and, and right when he left He he left this piece of paper and told me what, you know, just to read it and go over it. And these are the things that they want. And right when he left, that's when I started to bawl my eyes out. And uh, and I was crying because right then and there, I knew that God was speaking to me. I mean, he was, but he was speaking to me in, in other events in my life where I was almost killed in a car accident a couple times. But this one really woke me up. And um, it really hit me hard I was crying uh, uncontrollably And uh, I was just like, God, I hear you I know that you're speaking to me I knew right away And I, I looked at my mom and my dad And you know they're crying and they're hugging me And uh, I told my parents I was like, listen, you guys have church You need to go My dad's like, no, we're not going to go We're going to sit here with you I'm like, no, 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 no please dad Just go go and just pray for me because I need a lot of prayer. And I was just sitting there in my bed when my parents left, contemplating about all the things that I did wrong, everything that I did and everything that was uh, against God and, and and how I left him. And, and uh, I knew that he was trying to speak through me through this situation. And, you know, I just told myself, I was like, well, you know what, Paul... There's no way around us. You have to go through it. And right then and there, I fell on my knees. And I just started praying. And I started crying. Lord, please. Lord, help me at this time as I need you. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me for sinning against you, Lord. Forgive me for for leaving you, Heavenly Father. Just pleading and crying for forgiveness. And... and and just asking for him just to save me from this. And and, and and if it was his will, you know, Lord, if this is your will for me to go through, Lord, let me go through it. But if you take my life, Lord, let it be of your will, Lord. And please forgive me. And I was just praying and crying and crying that whole time. And then um, the next day... um. Word got out to the whole church community. And by the way, my parents are very well known in the Middle Eastern Christian community uh, here in Michigan and different parts of the world, actually. Um, Everybody that I knew, even from growing up, um, came to the hospital to pray with me. It was the most wonderful thing I have ever experienced in my life and there was about 30 people in my room at once praying for me there was people in the hallway there was people in the visitors room there was people downstairs in the visitors room it was to the point where the nurse the manager of that um that floor the nurse manager came up and she was telling me that these people have to go and i looked at her i was like good luck telling these people that they need to ha- that they need to go right now because these are people who are here to pray with me I was like, you can tell them what you want, but it's not going to look good. And she's like, well, at least keep it to three people at a time because your accounts are super low and you can get an infection. So I told everybody, but um, the amount of people that were just coming in and praying for me and and, and just giving me just good things of what the Lord is going to do for me through this situation. It was just uplifting and... It was just a wonderful thing to see. And, you know, I started going through treatments with chemo. And, and you know, I, every day I was in the Word. Every day I started reading my Bible. Every day I was repenting of my sins. And I was asking God, please lift me off this bed, Lord. Please. Please. And, you know, all through that time I, I went through a, a lot of trials also. I caught MRSA. I have caught... Um, allergic reaction to a certain medicine where they had to keep me in, in basically in a bubble. I mean, just a lot of things were going on because I was being really tested uh with my faith inside the hospital. And um I was taking chemo and the first round was very very rough on me, rough on my body. Uh I was not feeling good, uh, like that week. Um but um Eventually the you know develop a tolerance for the for the chemo and and all these things I was going back and forth in and out of the hospital whenever I had to do treatment you know it was one week there and two weeks at home and I'd have to come back a week later and do treatments and um, after every treatment I did have to do a bone marrow biopsy so but each time they were getting better and better and um, the doctor uh, was telling me like man you are like At such a good track right now Like you are We, we can't believe what's going on With your body right now And this cancer I was like well what's going on and he's like well it's pretty much all gone But it did leave some cells in there That, were, uh, that, that need to be um, That need to be gone too So we're going to increase The dosage of your chemo And this is just going to blast The rest out of the, out of you so I was like, okay. So I did another two rounds and did another bone marrow biopsy. And the last one uh, was going to determine if it really got everything out. So I did the bone marrow biopsy. A couple of days later, the doctor calls me into his office. He's like, I have very good news for you. And he's like, Paul, you are cancer free. I don't know how you did it, but you beat it in four months. And he looked at me, he's like, actually, I do know how you beat it. And mind you, this oncologist was a Muslim man. He's like, I saw you every day in your Bible. I saw you praying. I saw all these people come visit you. And your faith in your God healed you. And that was a wonderful testimony right there. For this man to see what I went through. And what I had to do to get back on the right track with God. And the wonderful thing is that it's kept me in track this whole time, and I've been in remission for twelve years, and I love telling my story because I want people to understand whatever that you are going through, whatever it may be, whether it be an illness or sickness. A divorce or a relationship problem with somebody, with a family member, or whatever it is, financial problem, whatever the trial may be. I always kept this Bible verse in mind, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, that Jesus is always there. When you are far apart from him, he is there for you. And when you think that he's not there, trust me, he is there, he is waiting for you, He's waiting for you to come to him and ask him to come into your life, and he will find you. And I promise you that good things will come out of this. God has been such a wonderful blessing in my life. I've turned away from this world. I wanted nothing to do with this world anymore. All I want to do is to serve my God, serve him to the best that I can, to lead people to Christ. And this is my testimony. And I hope and trust that it has affected you in some sort of way. And I want you to always remember that God is always there for you when you need him. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Jesus all a day long. This is my story. And I I hope and pray that it touches your life. Thank you so much for listening.